Have you ever worked with Steadicam before? Oh yeah, I'm terrified, right? I go and I watch a bunch of stuff and I ask a bunch of people and I spend the time to like educate myself. I get on set and I'm nervous because it's new to me, but I've done a lot of work to get ready for it. And I think that I do run into a lot of people that I question, are you willing to do the work? Like you're telling me you're something, have you done the work to be that thing? Hello and welcome to the Merit Makers Podcast. My name is Chris Skamra. I'll be your host. Today, in just a moment, we'll be speaking with Ray Rushing, a Ohio-based DP and cinematographer. But first, I wanted to make a quick note to our audio and video listeners. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, thanks so much for checking us out. If you have interest in coming on the show, either as a freelancer or a film or video production person, please feel free to check out the form in the description below. If you fill out that information and let me know you exist, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. For those of you who are listening on audio and joining us over Spotify or Apple Podcasts today, please feel free to also come check out the YouTube channel where you can find that link. It is only in the YouTube description. So if you do that, you'll be able to also have a shot on coming on the show. Would love to have you regardless. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Ray, thank you so much for checking us out today and coming into the studio. Yeah, Chris, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's a great space and it's uh, it's always fun to talk about what I do. Very happy yeah. to have you, my friend. So yeah. this has been a long time coming. Over a year now or so is kind of how our relationship has gone. Um, I'd love to be able first, before we get into the story, um, be able to sort of tell people what you do as a DP, uh, director of photography, if you wouldn't mind explaining sort of um, not only what your job is, but where you're looking to go, what you're looking to focus on, because for this show, the purpose of it is to bring on not only, you know, the new guys in the field in the freelance world, but also the more experienced cinematographers, producers, directors, um, people who want to come on, share advice, and also um, take part in that same endeavor, which is get in front of the right person, um, build a community where other people can connect and collaborate. So um, if you wouldn't mind, sort of just tell me a little bit about what you would love to do um, and also where you are currently, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm a DP, um, director of photography, cinematographer. Those terms are sort of interchangeable. Um, I mostly work in commercials right now uh, and, you know, the odd like corporate, you know, video um, that's pretty much what my, most of my career has been is, is working in commercials, um, as a DP. I mean, it, you know, I tend to be on small to medium sized sets. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm responsible for lighting camera, all of that sort of stuff running the, you know, the camera and lighting teams. Um, and yeah, and I, I love, I love what I do. I think I've been a DP now full time for seven years or so. Um, it's hard to remember things in my old age, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a minute. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think where I'm at in my career, like I'm sort of full steam ahead on continuing to push for commercials and get bigger and bigger, you know, on bigger and bigger sets for bigger and bigger brands. Um, that's kind of the, you know, the full time focus. And then, and then on the side, I'm, I'm, you know, I've never really done narrative work, just the odd, like short film for a friend. Um, so I'm, I'm actually also really pushing and pursuing that. And that's, that's a big focus. I have a couple of short films that hopefully very much like cross all the fingers will happen, uh, this year, um, because those projects are just, are super hard to get going. And so that's, that's kind of the focus right now is, is, uh, continuing to work, continuing to do work at a high level. And then pushing to like get some of these personal projects not they're not my short films i should say they're directors that i'm in conversations with about uh, films that they have 
that they want to do. So that's kind of the push and, and to get some of that, uh, get some of those more personal, I guess, more, um, you know, narrative driven stories out into the world. Um, I more love creative projects. Yeah. More creative. Mm-hmm. I, I love what I do as a DP, you know, on commercials. Um, there's always a new challenge. It's always exciting to like figure out lighting, figure out camera, figure out, uh, you know, the storytelling, um, even in a commercial, you're still telling a story. Um, and so that's always interesting, but it's so short, it's so compressed. There's often, you know, a very, a very narrow, you know, lane that you're trying to stay in with the story. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm interested in exploring those more creative, uh, world of narrative filmmaking and, and short films. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of a big push for this year and kind of where I'm, where I'm at. I'm hoping the best for you, man. Like, really, I know you and I have had some phone conversations where I know I am not in the position to be throwing multi-million dollar projects to DPs (laughs) or anything, but it's like I can totally help on the short film front, and so Mm -hmm. I'm always keeping my eye out for you because I know that's kind of where you you have an interest in wanting to pursue. I know you probably still also want to be doing corporate to some capacity. I think it's really cool that you're coming from the advertising and corporate side, and I know we'll probably get into background in that and your work with um, on the corporate world. But um, currently, uh, my understanding is that you're still pursuing, uh, as you stated, the corporate and commercial world. If you wouldn't mind talking about um, that a little bit, I'd love to hear kind of where things are there. But also uh, maybe expand a little bit more on this narrative pursuit, because the whole point of sort of the beginning of these episodes is kind of give people an idea of where does Ray want to go Initially, I know you, you covered it broadly, but is there anywhere it's like super specific? I know we've talked in the past a little bit about car stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I have you top of mind for nowadays on top of the short films and stuff. But anything really specific that you like, if someone just knew that I wanted to do this and they had that job, they could send it my way. What is that if there is it, if that exists? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, that's a hard one to nail down to one thing. I think one thing that's been, I think, beneficial in my career up till now and maybe I I'm seeing I'm wanting to see this change but I've been really a generalist um I I just I tend to morph to the job um and I think you know in that way like that's great you're versatile I can take on a lot of different things but I've also been you know more recently thinking where's my voice in this process and so um, I know that's very, very broad, um, but no yeah, commercially, um, one thing I've been, the pandemic year was just a weird year, right? So there was a big chunk of time where, where I just didn't work. I'm sure some people, you know, did, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't work at all. Um, I was able to stay home with my family, which was great. Uh, but then moving to, um, the end of the year, I was super busy, but it was just whatever work I could get. So, um, in that time, a lot of what my conversations were like and planning were like was what are things that are not on my reel that I, I'm interested in and I'd like to do. And so uh, I have a good buddy in town, Drew Tice, who uh, is I think he goes by Bionic Steady Op or something, not to plug him, but to plug him. So um, I've heard of Drew. Yeah, Drew's a good dude. And he's he's a Trinity uh, steady cam operator, just a steady cam operator in general, but, you know, has a Trinity and does great work on that and has a moto crane. And so he and I've been talking about collaborating and, and getting some car stuff on both of our reels. Um, so that's kind of the forefront. Um, I have a meeting next week and another uh, phone call next week with directors 
Um, so those are things that I'm like actively trying to pursue. I, I, I'm a big um, believer, or maybe it's just, it just is the way that uh, of the world at, at a certain level that um, you don't really get the work you want until you do the work. Yep. Catch so, Tony tail. Yeah. It's sort of a weird, <laughs> like, Hey, we'd love to use you for this car spot. Can you send us a car spot that looks exactly like it? Yeah. And you go, well, mm. one, no, cause it's, Hopefully your thing is unique, but then, uh, you know, on top of it, I just, I haven't really done it. And so, um, because I, because I bounce around quite a bit all over, um, I'm lived in Detroit before moving to Ohio. Uh, and so I've been put up for a number of car jobs over the years and I tend to not get them. Um, and so it's kind of at that point in my career where I'm, I'm looking to go, okay, well, I'm not getting them because I know I haven't really done it. And so, um, that's kind of the focus right now, I'd say commercially, is getting things like that on my reel. Um, and I can talk a little bit about kind of how I'm approaching that. And that's, um, I often, a lot of people do spec work to get those things on your reel. And I, th I think that's viable and not a bad idea. But spec work is problematic, especially in the car space. Mm. If you're Ford, you know what a Ford ad looks like. Uh, if you're Chevy or if you're Porsche, they they have a way, uh, a visual style. And so when you're trying to do spec work, that's kind of copying in a way or trying to like do your own thing, but, you know, using a certain brand, it, it it's really hard to break through um, those those auto manufacturer people. They know they immediately will see it and th their ad agencies will go is a spec. And so it's really tricky uh, to do that well. So what I've been trying to focus on is meeting directors that are in a similar, you know, mindset. They want to do they want to do more car work, but rather than doing something that's a spec, making our own ad that's you know trying to go after a certain you know auto manufacturer, Ford or someone, we're more in the mindset of let's make a short film that's car based, right, mm -hmm. and th that isn't. Um, isn't so specific to say this is the brand new, you know, Corvette or something, um, and we're going to make an ad for it when really it's a Corvette that we borrowed or rented or something. Yeah. And it's it's just very hard to, especially because it's being spec, it's going to be, the budgets are going to be harder. You're going to be doing things with, you know, asking friends to volunteer and help out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think commercially that's where my mind is. Um and on top of, I think I'm always pushing for, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not doing Nike ads, but I watch Nike ads and mm -hmm. I love them. I want my stuff to look like that. For me, that's, you know, a project that that would point to is I did some stuff for a boxing gym in Detroit, right? So there's like Nike and Under Armour and all these great brands that do really amazing sports uh, specific ads. So I'm always trying to like, I'm not on that level of getting those clients, but I do that work, right? So always trying to make my stuff, you know, look like it's on that level, pushing to always be like on that level. So uh, yeah, commercially, that's that's where that's, that's I think that's where kind of things are, are at. I mean, not to go too crazy into the pandemic because it's, <laughs> I'm sure these are, it's obviously a thing a lot of people talk about, but Last year was just survival, and I think coming out of it, I'm much more in a mindset of 
okay, I'm, I survived. Like I made it through. I just got my first vaccination. People are getting vaccinated. I think work is starting to like things are opening up. Yeah, the phone is ringing like crazy. I've had, you know, it's looking like the end of last year was my busiest like three months, I think ever. And it's looking like this year might be my busiest year ever. And so um, in that mindset of just surviving, I think it, it gave me a lot of clarity of one being just really thankful for what I do. I mean, we we play with cameras and lights and like, Oh my gosh, like it's not a real job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so uh, I'm just, I think I have a new renewed thankfulness for what I do, but then on top of it um, also really now wanting to push to do more Um, because yeah, you can get in ruts and suddenly there's not a lot of stuff to put on the reel. So um, that's where I'm at commercially. Uh, But then I'm also, I've always wanted to do narrative work, but it's always kind of been very back burner. And like, if the phone rings, cool. Uh, And they're just two very different spaces. My director friends that do commercials, most don't do narrative work. And Mm. so, um, and I think more so in Ohio, uh, you know, I think that's probably a little more common if you're in a bigger, a bigger market, um, New York or LA, but at least here in a, in a, in a fairly small market, you kind of end up, you know, you end up focusing on one thing because you need to, again, you need to pay the bills. So um, I'm realizing I need to be more intentional with the narrative stuff. So I've been reaching out to people outside of the normal, my normal circles, I guess, inside the normal circles too. I mean, I, I do have really talented director friends that do commercial work mostly that have films they want to make. And so that's sort of the push. Um, I'm being a little picky about it. Um, you know, in that, like, I don't, again, I'm not doing like high, high level, you know, Nike ads, but I, I think I do work on, I think the work I do is on a high level, um, you know, in terms of equipment and crew and, and not that I'm working on big crews either, but quality of output. Yeah. The quality of output I think is there. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always, frustrated by my own work. I imagine as you talk to more and more people, you probably hear that a lot, but yep. <laughs> we're, all, we're all like, and you, it's kind of crazy because you'll, you'll hear people that make amazing, you know, films that we all know that hate what they do and think that, you know, some movie that you love, they will talk negatively about it. And so it comes down to you being your worst critic. Yeah. And, and I think there is an inherent, you know, thing in being creative that some people are just super confident, but most of us aren't. Most of us are like always self-critical and always think, you know, the last thing you did was the worst thing you've ever done. Um, when that's probably not true. And so, especially when you're comparing it to other people. Um, yeah, when you're comparing to other people, mm-hmm. um, I, I just yeah, I nitpick my stuff like crazy, um, and it'll it'll send me into a spiral. Um, so in that way, like I I don't want to step into narrative just to step into narrative. Um, I also don't expect that I'm going to like, you know, get a call and go, Hey, how about you make a $10 million movie? Like I understand that there's a big gap between where I would like to be in in that space versus where I am. Um, so I understand like, you know, it will look rough. It will look, you know, it will be indie. Um, but that's the big push is, is finding scripts that I, I really believe in and that are really, really good. And, on top of that, finding directors that I think are 
super passionate because um, uh, there's a lot of people making movies today. There's a lot of people working in video space that I think oftentimes like it's become so much easier to make content um, that the the differentiator i'm going to say that if i say that right differentiator it is a word yes yeah <laughs> did i make that word uh, is is oftentimes just passion and work ethic and so the difference between someone who's like you know whose work is good but maybe could be better uh, versus work i think that is is excellent oftentimes those are people that work really really hard and really really dedicate themselves to what they do and those are the kinds of projects I want to be on, uh, commercially, but narratively as well, you know? So is that line for you then, um, how much, how much people care about the, about their work and their project versus like what you said about, uh, since the barrier to entry is so low, you get people in here that only do it to pay the bills or they lost their passion a long time ago. And so it's just easy to keep doing it. And so you run into these people that are Sometimes I would assume as well, a lot of times on the creative world, former shells of their creative selves, um, you're more looking for people who, like you said, are, are passionate, um, but also really care about the quality of work, who they work with and what their work either stands for or accomplishes. Is that, am I phrasing that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would just caveat that with like, I don't really ever, I wouldn't like knock anyone who is like very professional and doing this as a job of because course. you, mm-hmm. you just, and there are people I think that really, really passionately care about every single thing they make. Um, sometimes you can't, right? Like yeah. sometimes it's like, it's an ad, it's a commercial and you're there to do a job professionally and at a high level. And sometimes you know, it's really nice when you can bring more of yourself to it and bring some passion to it. But sometimes it's, it is a, a technical exercise in this needs to be lit and look a certain way. And I need to do that. I don't necessarily need to walk into every job and go, let's make art. You know, like sometimes you're not. Sometimes it's it's creative. It is artistic, but it's not always art if that makes any sense and yeah. so sometimes it is accomplishing a goal yeah and, and i don't i don't want to you know look down on anybody that's you know sometimes yeah you're in the commercial space it's like about cranking through ads you mm-hmm. know and so um paying the bills is a big deal i have three kids like i want to pay my bills i want to do this as a job and i would like to also do things that i am passionate about and care about and so yeah i i think that's that's a you know, not to knock anyone that's not doing that, I guess, you know, like I work with amazing, amazing people that are just super, super talented and make amazing work. And, and oftentimes I think that does overlap those people that are passionate and really care. Um, But I will say like, you know, you do run into people that I don't, I I don't know how to say it. Maybe that aren't, on one end, maybe aren't experienced and don't know like how much work it takes to do something really, really well. Um, and then on the other end, maybe aren't as like, you know, a conversation that comes up often between a DP and a director is like trying to get the vision of the director. Like what is their vision for the piece you're working on? And sometimes it's just the vision is let's make this ad 
Yeah. <laughs> There's not much else to you it. Know, it's like home, this is you know have a beer at the end of the day exactly. and go home. You yeah. know. And so go through the and, motions. And, and and I wouldn't and yeah, I don't want it to even come across as that negatively. It's just like no. you're accomplishing a task, you mm-hmm. know, and so you just need to do it well. You need to do it professionally. Um yeah, I, I don't even want to say like go go through the motions is almost like too like yeah, not, I see what you're saying there. You I know, like, phrase I, that I don't want better. it to be negative in that way. Like sometimes going through the motions is really is really challenging. Like there's it might be really technically hard to do. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to get to the end of the thing and go, you know, I can't wait to show all my friends this. You know, like you might be really proud of the work, but there's a different thing that happens there. At least my friends that I know that that make films, there's a difference in like, oh, oh, hey, I, I worked on this ad. Whereas they might be a little more excited to go, oh, hey, have you like I have the short film that's out. Like, I'd love for you to see it. You know, so it's a little bit more personal, I think. And sometimes, yeah, in, cre- in like the creative and commercial space, it often isn't necessarily personal. Yeah. And that's why I, well, that's why I asked to clarify as well, because yeah. I wanted to make sure that you know, you weren't saying, quote unquote, I suppose the wrong thing or the, the, I wanted to make sure that your opinion was clear. And that's why I asked for clarification mm-hmm. or your, your thoughts on, on the topic. There's a couple different things we have to back up quite a bit, uh, back to, you were talking about when comparing work, I've got a perfect example that I think kind of ties in a lot of what we were talking about back to like when we were talking Ford and cars and stuff, mm-hmm. spec commercials and all that. When it comes to insecurity and all that I can deeply relate on that level and that's something I talk about um, at least a little bit on this show and something I um, I, I, sh- I don't know if I should say preach or not but something I talk about quite a bit is being okay with insecurity and that it's like everyone thinks it's not normal, um, Super normal. I, it, it is because everybody <laughs> feels that way and when you compare people to yourself there's there's one person in particular someone I've been keeping an eye on for a little bit uh, shout out to Luke Holiday he's out of Cincinnati um, coming up DP, he's got a team down there that is like, I'm looking at their work. They just shot a Aston Martin commercial a little while ago. And, uh, I was talking to Luke about it over DMs a couple days ago and he was still like, yeah, we didn't really get where we wanted to because it was a spec ad. And that's exactly what you were talking about. I don't know where they wanted to go specifically. I didn't ask cause that's like, that's a little bit farther in than where I've gotten relationship wise. And you kind of got to be careful when you're talking to people. But point I'm trying to say is I respect those guys a lot. And I was like, I need, I would love to work with them at some point. Um, But when it's, when you talk about like comparing to other people in the industry, I've, uh, I regularly encounter people that make me as an artist or as a creative business person slash freelancer feel like either I am not doing as good as I should be, or I am nowhere near that level. So how do I get there? And I think that's what insecurity does is it helps you analyze and detect where you need to improve or how you can move forward because it's more of like a signal than it is a, mm. uh, a negative emotion. It can serve as either. It's just a matter of how you think about it. Um, yeah, and as sure. a second note as well, before we, if you have any thoughts on that, we'd love to hear it. But also when you're coming, I think it's great that you're trying to hit the narrative world from coming from the advertising area or the commercial space. And we have a mutual friend, uh, Mark Toya, who just released his um, feature project. It's like a sci-fi robot thriller action film. Um, Earlier, I believe late last year or early this year, I believe it was in November uh, 2020, called Monsters of Man. And that show, um, 
honestly, I was blown away at how he did it. A big fan, but what he did was he took his his uh, experience in the ad world and translated it into narrative where he was able to take his experience with so many ads and so many pitches and so much marketing experience Mm -hmm. and make the film blow up because he had that ability. And so I think it's cool you're coming from a similar space. And I don't want to make it seem like, uh, you know, you two are the same person or anything, but I I know. (laughs) So I'm trying to be careful about that (laughs) because I don't want to hurt your feelings by saying, hey, you're not Mark, but also it's, it's yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, The thing is, it's like, you could try and do something similar, at least apply what you've learned from ad space and then kick off some really, really cool narrative stuff. And so those are two notes that I had that I wanted to touch on before we got further into stuff. So any thoughts there before we move on? No, I think that makes total sense. And I think that's the, um, um, there's a, a bit of a disconnect sometimes between in, in commercials, like execution is, the, the the expectation of your of execution is really high, so um, I I often will sort of say like the when a director gives a pitch deck to a client and they win the job with that pitch deck, that pitch deck is now a contract. I mean it isn't, but like I've been on jobs where I go somewhere in here we've derailed. I don't think what we're making right now is what we were kind of supposed to be making. Mm. And that, and that happens. Like, there's a whole lot of reasons why that happens. But the expectation is is that. It's very high. And so if, if you're hired, especially by a national brand that is a national spot, there are really high, le- high levels of expectation, which is why it can be hard to break into those jobs um, at every level. I can't bring an AC on a national commercial job that hasn't deep AC'd a national commercial job. Mm. Right. And so that's kind of, again, that thing with like, I can't get a, I can't get a, a car ad until I do a car ad. And, and the reasoning behind that is not that I'm not creative enough or talented enough. None of that gets factored in by an ad agency when they decide on someone to direct or DP um, or, or when I'm hiring crew, I'm going to hire the best gaffer who's lit cars a million times. The same way that I'm going to lose the car job to a DP who's DP'd a million car jobs because <laughs> it is it, it is your creativity that matters, but it there is a lot more weight on execution. And I think sometimes, or at least, you know, I think the difference in maybe indie or like narrative, and, and I'm, I'm, I will say this as an outsider, so like f- filmmakers in that space might completely disagree with me. I think sometimes there can be a disconnect between creativity, vision, and execution, where for a lot of reasons, right? Like you don't have the budget, you don't have the cameras, you don't have the crew, you don't have the lighting, and so there's going to be sacrifices made. And I think where you have to do, you have to be successful in that space. Um, I, I again on commercials often, I wouldn't say I have everything I need we're shooting on Alexas and we have sky panels and we have all the things, you know, that I would think when I've had conversations about indie films, you, you're like the Alexa mini is now like, you're happy if you get a black magic pocket camera. Mm-hmm. Great, great camera. Right. But there's differences in how you work. And I, and I, again, can they do both great images? Absolutely. The expectation on execution means that I'm going to choose the Alexa mini 
for the commercial. Mm -hmm. It's proven. It has a it has a like workflow that makes sense in a crew setting. The ACs are used to working with it. The image is extremely forgiving. It's great. Yeah. It's an awesome image. It's a great camera system to work with more than just even the the sensor, which the sensor is amazing. The Black Magic cameras make great images and lots of stuff are being shot on those. But in this context of like the high level of expectation on execution, I'm maybe not going to choose that camera when there's money to spend on a nicer camera. And so I think that if you're going to do narrative well in a really low budget, you know, way, you have to find ways around that. And I think what makes those projects really great, and I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, are when people are super bought in and are super into prepping and working you're going to work a lot harder. I can make something look amazing with just the sun. I can make something look amazing with a grip truck full of all the lights and all the stuff. But I have to really sometimes work harder to make the sun look nice. Hmm. You know, so it, I think that that is oftentimes you go, well, we have these limitations of budget, of crew, of gear. Well, to make up for that difference you just got to work real hard, you know, and I think you've got to work within your limitations. So talking about the, you're the guy that did the Aston Martin, you know, spec ad, right? Like I've seen amazing spec ads out there, really, really high level. And I know friends that have done it and like it's gotten them, it's launched their careers. Like it's very, very possible, you know, but you have to work within your limitations. Well, you don't have a Russian arm. Do mm -hmm. I have a way to do something similar? Does it look good? You know, well, I don't have a Russian arm. Do I, can I get a moto crane? I can't get a moto crane. Can I get a black arm? I can't get a black arm. Do I really want to be hanging off the back of a truck? You know, and, and that's a case where you have to weigh out, like, well, is it worth it? Maybe it is. Maybe for the style of ad, like, hanging out of the back of a truck is great. It's dangerous. Don't do that. <laughs> but, Without a harness for sure. Yeah. People <laughs> and do a it. safety. People do it. But uh, people not are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not a great idea, but um, no. safety wise. But <laughs> no. if you're being safe, I think there's ways to do it. But, you know, you have to bend your creative to that. If you want a Corvette flying down the highway going 90, you need to get the right tool for it. Or you need to probably change your creative. You probably don't want. A, I don't want to be in the back of a van. No going 100 or 110 to, to keep ahead of that. Yeah. yeah, to make that look really good. And I think that's that can often be a little bit of what's unforgiving in the commercial space and why spec ads, I think, are hard is the expectation level is on execution is super high. Um, and, and not to say that you don't want to execute on you know narrative films, but there's a lot more forgiveness. If you're able to get what you want and tell the story the way you want, I think if you're willing to do the work, it seems like, you can work with those limitations. I don't know if that even answered your question or what we were really talking about. There. Oh, no, it's fine. I, there, well, there wasn't really a, a specific question there, but it was more just thoughts that I had on what you were previously saying and about your work. Yeah. Speaking of your work, normally we get into this a little earlier in the episode, but I wanted to make sure I also mention that you do have a reel for us today. Sure. Um, one thing that I always try to do is if we have uh, any type of DPs or camera operators or uh, anyone, really, if you have a directing reel, producing, editing, or camera reel, 
um, footage to show that people have a chance to sure. show uh, their work. So for those of you who are listening on the video side of things, if you're on the YouTube video, thanks so much for staying with us this long regardless, wherever you're listening. But um, we're going to play that now and then come back in just a second. So without further ado, we'll have your real play. And uh, yeah, so roll film. And welcome back. Great work, my friend. Yeah, thanks. So regarding the uh, piece that we just watched, for those of you that are on YouTube, you just saw the reel. For anyone that's listening audibly, please feel free to go check that out at Merit Makers Podcast on YouTube. Um, with the with each piece you have in that um, collection, is there anything in particular that stands out that you'd like to cover or go over or just maybe in general, what are your thoughts on your work thus far? Yeah, I mean... Of course, I it's cliche, but like everybody hates their their own work, and so it's it's hard to like watch my reel. Even though there's, I think there's images I'm like proud of. Um, you know, I, I I my the reel is all is always like a source of like stress for me. Um, and actually, I, I tend to not do them as much anymore um, for whatever reason. As I've done this longer fewer and fewer people even ask to see your reel because everybody's reel is good i guess mm -hmm. um most of the time people want to see like finished stuff like something that you've worked on and done uh because i think it provides a bigger a better context especially if it's relevant to like if you get a call to do sports then they just really care about the sports stuff not everything else on the reel so um but that being said i think like you know, towards like the frustration that I feel about my reel. I think, and, and I think it's, again, just that going back to that crossroads that I feel like I'm at, um, you know, there's stuff on my reel that while, of course, I put it on my reel, so I like it. Um, I think there's things that you put, I'm putting on my reel because they get work, really, like, they make sense uh, commercially um, to people and, and are the kinds of things that that get I, I anytime someone reaches out, I ask like, "What did you see?" You know, when they say, "Hey, we saw your work. We really liked it." I, I ask, "Well, what did you see?" Which immediately gives me some context for like where their head is at, and it's it's never the same thing, and it's never what I would have. I get, in fact, what was it just recently? Someone referenced something that was like I, I've almost taken off my site ten times because it's old and. Hmm. They're like, oh, we saw this and we loved it. And I was like, really? Uh, and it was like a low budget. Uh, a friend has a, there's a, it's actually still on my website because I just got that reference. But it was because somebody <laughs> was like, it. we really love that. I was like, oh, I guess I should leave it up. But it's a, a friend of mine has a business in Detroit where they reclaim um, wood and just materials from buildings that are literally falling over. And they turn them into like actual products they can sell, like lamps and, and art and things like that. And so I. I mean, I don't even remember how long ago it was that I did that. I, He asked if I could shoot it. I borrowed a camera from somebody. We went out for the day, and we made a little thing. And it, and it looks nice. Like, I'm, I'm happy with it. It was just me. It was one light. It was very simple. Um, but not to go derail too much, but it, um, the reel is – it's the kind of thing that, like, I don't even know if I include any of those shots in my reel. Um I, lo I really love it. I mean, it was it was fun to work on. Um, but yeah, what people are looking for, you just never really know. And so I think 
that leads to like a frustration for me in when I look at my portfolio and my reel because I tend to kind of leave, like I said, I've, I've almost taken that off my site a bunch of times. Um, I have other things that I, I know are like, they were half million dollar commercials. And so I'm like, well, like I have to have that in my reel, but I don't necessarily like, I guess, look at that and go, this is, this is amazing. This is the pinnacle of my career. creative career yeah. or where I want it to end, I guess. But I also know that that stuff can be impressive to people. And so it's like, and I've been given advice on both ends, you know, make your real what you want to do, right? The kind of work you like and yeah. put out there. And I've also gotten the other, and this is, I'd say I've gotten this advice more from commercial, commercially successful people who are like, no, don't like put the stuff out that gets you money. <laughs> you like that's, we're trying to pay the bills. So there's that tension because again, I don't want to, I have kids, I want to pay the bills. So I do put that stuff out there. I think it's it's slowly starting to be a, a thing where I'm I'm realizing that that is only going to continue getting me that kind of work and that problem of seeing a reel and going, I wish this was more me than just work is not going to change on its own. And so I think that's the kind of headspace of wanting to move towards narrative and wanting to do more creative, you know, projects. I think it is partly about that, like where my career's you know going so i know that's not about a specific project but more broadly but yeah no it's okay sometimes you can't really be specific especially if your reel is not like you said that one thing a lot of people say put out into the world what you want to receive whether that's attitude aptitude or your reel <laughs> yeah uh if you only do like we we're talking about earlier car stuff uh your reel um most likely will have a lot of car stuff in it and you won't get a job for going out into i don't know antarctica or something to do a documentary sure. on penguins yeah. it's like yeah. nope. that's probably you're not going to get <laughs> yeah. that job and so um i totally yeah, and I, I think see in that, that way world. like uh, if you want car ads you put car ads out mm -hmm. i have kind of just been in and i think this is being in a small market um not being in you know Ohio generally is a small market, even though we have some big cities here. Mm -hmm. um, the Midwest in general, again, small market. It's amazing work going on here, amazing work that's happening here all the time. But um, in a way, I've, I've morphed to that. I've said, well, then, yeah, I'm going to put out everything that I think is good. Um, and, and that's led to, like, a, a, you know, my reel for the longest time has been, too, I think, too long and hard to make cohesive. Because I go, well, this is great. This project was great. It was a big budget and it got me, it gets me work. This project was great because I really like the way it looks and it was me and a camera and a friend and a light, you know. And so it, it, I think that tension is, is tricky. And I think the market, like in some way, I've been to that, I think, market. And I guess I'm not that I'm like, changing that strategy at all i mean it's still about trying to get work but i'm now i think more in a headspace of me enforcing like me pushing out what i want you know what i want in the world and saying yeah letting the market come to you this is what i do and you know yeah being the like yeah maybe i won't get certain things maybe there will be jobs i don't i don't get because i just go no i don't I don't do that. That's a good thought. Is I think finding what you want to do and finding it early is a positive, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. If you look at our market right now, you have a lot of people uh, that are coming up in the industry, such as myself and probably a lot of people who listen to the show, 
uh, who would love to know if, from your perspective, in order to, and I don't want to make it seem like Ray is everybody, like if I'm not going to say everyone will go through this process of say yes to everything at the beginning, and then sure. you run into the problem of when your reel has, has everything on it, uh, that's a problem because then you can't get the jobs you want, and then you have to unbend, so to speak, and mm -hmm. stand your ground, stick to your guns, and only do what you want to do. Question I have for you is, is there any, and it's okay if you don't, uh, mm -hmm. any advice or tips that you might have for those of us who are coming up who could then uh, figure out an easier way to construct that reel that you're trying to have sure. now? Uh, does that, is, is yeah, that making so. sense for you? It's yeah, a, I think so. I mean, one thing I will say that I have been surprised to learn is everybody does stuff that, like, for money. Like, uh, and I mean everybody at the highest level. I, I won't say names because I, that's weird to do that, but I got a call. I ended up not getting the job, so maybe I should just say the name and then go, look how cool I am. I didn't get this job, but... I, I got a call to be a remote, and this I'm sure this happens is happening a lot with COVID um, because people in those big markets, LA, New York, can't travel. Mm. Um, I got a call to be, I don't know what they were calling me, a remote camera operator or remote DP for an ASC cinematographer who won, or won, did, I think she won Best Picture. I don't know. Minimum wanna, nominated? She was nominated, yeah. Yeah. People can look at it, whatever. It's recent. So I got a call to be, I think it was remote operator for this, like, I mean, hero. Like, I mean, I was like, I don't even, I don't know if I ever even found out what the job was. They just said, hey, such and such is look, saw your work and wants you to be remote, you know, operator because she can't travel, you know. And that's out of necessity. Of course, I'm sure those people are doing that kind of stuff all the time right now because they have to, um, and they mm -hmm. would rather just travel and go do the job themselves. It's not out of their, totally out of their choice. But that's to say that this was a commercial, very much a commercial. This was not a, like, you know, this was not a, like, it's not their regular or wheelhouse. Or, I think it probably is, honestly, but it's, huh. I imagine that person was getting paid a lot to do it. And so the, I just, I say that to, you know, add context of like, I don't expect to ever, I, I don't know that I'll ever get to a place where I just a hundred percent of the time do what I want only. And I, and I, the friends that I have that do like just one thing usually get frustrated by that, you know, and go, wow, I wish like I'm always doing comedy. I wish I could do something more dramatic. And you're like, it's a normal thing. And so, uh, but at the level I'm at, I don't expect that I, and I know plenty of like big name DPs that do commercials. Um, you just maybe don't know that they did it, uh, but I'm sure they got paid well. And so one, I just add that layer of like context. It, it do, that doesn't ever really, I don't think go away. Um, but that being said, um, I think one, it's okay to do, you know, what you need to do to survive uh, that's for sure like a thing, you know, if you, if you, whatever that means for you, if that means that, you know, survive for you is living in an apartment with 10 people and having very minimal bills and like that allows you to do more art than commercial work. Yeah. Cool. Like that's great. If you have a family and kids and you need to pay the rent, 
like do that because if I don't do that, I don't get to do the narrative films. Like those things don't are no, no longer an option because I'm going to be working at a retail store or something like to make the, you know, I'm going to be working at Starbucks or something to make ends meet, make ends meet. And then suddenly I'm going to go, I can't shoot. I can't, you know, a director calls and goes, Hey, we saw something. We want you to do this film. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I work at the mall, you know, or something. It's like (laughs) nothing against people doing what they need to do. Being able to stay in the industry, I think is super, 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 super important. um, Regardless of within some, you know, reasons, there's things that if you just absolutely like, that's not for me, then you don't do it. But, um, where was I going with that? So uh, the, in terms of like though, like growing your reel um, or growing your, I think th- there's also a world where you grow your role, right? If you know, like, I want to be a gaffer, I want to be an AC, uh, your reel matters, but less so. It's your technical skill, you know, that matters and, and honestly experience level. Um, I've, I've never met an AC who, you know, if I was working with them on their first time being a first AC, that they're going to be as good as somebody who's been an AC for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Experience and time doing something in those cases, like, really matters. Um, I think there is, and it's it's different for everybody, but there is a moment where you, so many people now do so many things. You shoot, edit, you direct, yeah. you, you know, you're lighting, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing whatever the project needs. Um, and that's, that's great. Like that, I think that's a great way for people to come up and get a lot of experience. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting how those careers morph over the next 10 years. Mm. Um, I don't know that it's, I shouldn't say that it is a sustainable career for a lot of people to be the one man band. I have friends that do it really well and love it. Um, same here. And that's, and that's great. Um, if you can figure out how to make money, like I think that's a, a trap that oftentimes I, I see a lot of people doing that and not charging enough. Um, you know, that's a whole nother thing, business, the business side. But like, yeah, no, if you like that, you like that. That's great. Do it. But if you know you don't want to do that, you know, and you fill in the blank, I want to be a director, I want to be an editor. At a certain point, you have to be that. You can't just say, I want to be. Um, I, when I started out, I had, I I got advice from a lot of friends and I felt really strongly as I was like, I was learning, I was doing whatever I was like helping out on sets and sometimes directing, sometimes editing, sometimes shooting, sometimes lighting. Like I was doing those things. Like a lot of people, um, I hit a point where I was like, I want a DP. That's what I want to do. And I talked with different people and I got a lot of different advice about how to do that. Um, but for me, really, it was just a, a, a drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm a DP. That's what I do. And figure now, out how to make that work. Yeah. Now, those jobs at the beginning are going to be small, maybe, or like maybe you get lucky and they aren't. I don't know. My career was super weird because I did all that later. I was a photographer for a long time before before transitioning to video and then transitioning to being a DP. And I think being a little bit older, I was also like, re- I was not interested in like, being a one-man band i was not interested in coming up through ranks i was like i get what all those jobs do i i work really hard to to know my stuff 
I'm assuming there's no cussing. Otherwise, I would have said something. Else. I, I appreciate that. You, <laughs> so far, it's been fairly family friendly. But I want people to no, be like, no, if you to... swear like a sailor on set, then feel free to be yourself because no, that's how that's can... who people are going to be hiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I personally, have... I don't do it. No, usually. no, I have kids, so I'm, I can edit uh, I, I respect <laughs> my language, that. but I try not to. Anyway. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I I made a real clear distinction. I'm a DP. I knew that if I said, oh, well, I want to be a DP, so I'm going to AC. That was only in the service of getting to be a DP. And they're not the same job. As a DP, you, I need to know what my AC does. And oftentimes, you may end up on smaller jobs where you don't have one, so you have to do, fill that role. Um, but I felt really strongly like that's... So I, I think that that's the, the hard thing about, you know, starting out as a one-man band, knowing that you want to do something else. You've got to find a way to do it. And so, you know, maybe that is you were the one man band, but you really want to be a director. So you just say, I directed this. You don't have to tell people. You did everything I, I else. I shot it. Yeah, yeah. I edited everything else. You, you know, you can just say I directed it or, you know, or depending on who you're talking to, if you're going out to meet a director that you want to be a DP for, and maybe you directed and shot and edited and did all that, but you just go, yeah, this is my DP reel. And so um, I think... It's it's a hard line, and it's going to be different for everybody. But at some point, making a decision, I do this, I feel like is super important, and it and it's it's an ongoing decision. I, I get calls to do one man band stuff. I get, I don't remember the last one. It was December or something. I got a random call from someone outside the outside of this market. They needed something shot. They needed uh, they needed somebody who owned gear owned lights, owned audio equipment, would be the one person on set to to do it, you know, to, to shoot as a talking head. I'm capable of it. I said no. I was like, no, I don't, I just don't really do that. Um, and it's partly because I don't, I don't like that. I don't like working like that. I feel like it compromises too many things for me. Um, and you can't focus as much on, on what you love to do or what you yeah, want to do. Yeah. And, and then I think... It's just not, I, I don't know that like I would have, I don't know. I don't want I, I think I can do that work and would have done it well. But there's some element of like, I do this job because I love it, not just for money, mm. even though that's important. Um, and so they're just, yeah, they're, I, I, I can't, the way I've talked about it with my wife is like, there are things I may fail at this job and there are, I'm kind of okay with failing if I'm doing it the way I want. And right now in my career, I want to be a DP and I want to, I want to be the very best DP I can be. And so if I'm doing all of these other things, like I don't think it serves that goal and I'm okay with, you know, if I'm not getting enough work as a, as a DP to pay the bills and I have to quit, so be it. I'd rather do that than, be doing things I don't want to do. Like for me specifically, it's editing. I don't like editing. I don't want to edit. Mm. I don't do it. I don't do it well. Right. So like there are better people to be editing. And so I, I never do those jobs. I just say no. When someone asks, I go, no, I don't. Oh, I good. Just, yeah. I, think I just, I just say, I don't do it. I just, sorry. No, it's okay. I just say, I don't, yeah, I don't do that. And so, um, 
it's hard to do sometimes, um, especially if you're, I think I'm feeling slightly like I'm established now, but only slightly. You have a rep. <laughs> yeah. Locally, oh, people, I've, asked, I've talked yeah. to people before. Only they, slightly. They know it, it still always feels like you're struggling, but um, to, to maybe it's just it's it, a different struggle, not a struggle to pay the bills, but a struggle to like do better stuff. But, um, I, you know, at, at a certain point, it, it would be a distraction, I think, if I was taking every thing that came along. So well, I think there's that line in the sand there that we were talking about earlier where it's like if you are going to be um, working at Starbucks, not to demean anyone who works at Starbucks, no, no. I have a lot of respect for people who take those jobs. And Best Buy for a long time in college yeah. and Apple. And and anywhere that's like you're working there for a reason. If you're working at all, I salute you because you're putting in effort yeah. to gain an income to either support a family or yourself or your dreams, whatever your reason is. You have a reason you're working. That's fantastic. Um, point being though, it's, I, I relate to the struggle because if you, right now I'm trying to figure out how I can build a pipeline of work and get a amount of income that's steady so that I can s uh, launch a sustainable career and one thing I also respect about what you said is if you have to go back and work at uh, a day job, so be it, um, I don't want to speak for you. And this is something I'd love to get into a little bit later as well, talking about family. Um, personally for myself, if I had kids and a wife, maybe someday, um, I would rather work to feed them than feed my own creative self. But there's that tug of war between the two that you have to consider as well. Creative fulfillment for people like us is a huge thing where if we do not sure, obtain yeah. it, and it's not, this isn't the case for everybody, but for a lot of us, if we are not um, creating and working in that field, we are a lot less happy, I suppose, sure. to, to use a very broad and general term. Um, and that's that can be dictated by a lot of things, both the type of work we do, um, the level of work that we are pursuing, and also who we're working with on set. And that's something I'd love to find out as well a little bit, um, something I love to sort of bring out of people or at least ask them when they're guests on the show is what's it like to work with fill in the blank or with in this case ray rushing what are things that you value working on set like what do you really love to see in people or what are the type of environments that you love to be in so that gives people an idea of um okay if i want to bring ray onto this project is it a right fit because sure. some some projects are like we talked about earlier just there to pay the bills it's a very serious crew there's not a lot of socialization they're there go in get out done boom uh on to the next one they're super efficient other ones are all about socialization it's all about you know to some extent there's always a point of making money and making a living but there are more sets that are more lax there are more sets that are more strict what is kind of uh, i suppose your preference or what do you love to be what environment is it that you thrive in on set so people get an idea yeah i mean i one of the things i love about you know i, I had a career as a photographer for a long time and i loved being a photographer i think creating images is just something i've always at least professionally it's it's really been what my career has been uh, whether that's photography or now video um I think one of the things that really drew me to transitioning to transitioning to video uh, was the team collaboration um, aspect. So as a photographer, occasionally I would hire an assistant. Occasionally I would hire a second person to shoot with me or something because uh, this was like early, early days out of college. I was doing weddings and just anything to pay the bills at all. Just it was it was kind of mind blowing to me that I was 
working and my job very much air quotes was using a camera like it, I didn't grow up around that kind of thing so um, I think I love the collaborative team aspect and I think that goes back to when I say like not wanting to do really one man band stuff I get kind of depressed like I'm if I'm out like lugging all the gear you know setting everything up doing it all by myself I kind of go like well this isn't why I want to do this um so I think for me I mean every job is a little different but like for the most part I I'm in a, a bunch of different cities but I have kind of the same people I work with in all those places um it's much 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 more about relationship rather than um i i guess i I tend to not be on that you're talking about the socialization side of things i tend to not be on sets that are just dry like that are just like get the work done shoot it do it move on like i'm mostly there for i love the community aspect of it and so when i'm meeting new people it's of course, like I, I want to work with people that are super, you know, skilled at what they do. And I'm, and I'm always assessing if I, you know, I'm, I do meet a lot of like young folks that are, you know, coming up. I always want to know what, what do they do now? What do they want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's that, there's always that divide. Um, and there's a skill level assessment that like at a certain threshold it matters. Right. But especially for critical things, like someone who's going to pull focus for me, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm probably not going to bring you on set and you've never pulled focus from a wireless yeah, with a monitor. from a nucleus at least. You know, like, yeah, and even mm-hmm. then, like, uh, yeah, I, if, yeah, if you, I, you know, it's, I, it's not a snobbery thing, but it's like there's a certain level of skill because those jobs especially are very technical. No, of course not. People so, understand. Yeah. yeah, so there's a, you know, if it's just like, oh, hey, I want to be an AC awesome you know what kind of stuff have you ac'd well just my own stuff you know i do my own shoots okay like have you worked with a wc4 have you do you use prestons you you know like you get into those sorts of things you know have you worked with the alexa mini have you done this have you done that and if if those things haven't really happened like i might love you to death as a person but i'm not going to be like hey let me trust you to focus for me yet Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen with work. And so, but yeah, for me, the set is really a lot of it is about relationship. Um, And I will say like, and I make those decisions all the time uh, because I work with different, different ACs. Um, I absolutely choose ACs sometimes that are not the most skilled ACs. Um, And sometimes I work with the most skilled AC and I go, we didn't really don't jive get along yeah you know like there was little things you know miscommunications or just personalities people or people are different and so you know it isn't always a skills thing but it, when the skills are somewhat close it's always relationships um and it's always bringing on people that i just enjoy being around because this job can be uh it can be really hard it's long hours you're away from family you know, you're on a 12 hour day. And if you're on a 12 hour day, you're working your butt off and the person next to you, you're like, kind of don't really like them, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, whatever it's, 
you can do work with, I think I've worked with a lot of different personalities and like I, I tend to get along with a lot of people. Um, but that being said, like it, it, I think that's what matters probably not the most, but it's really up there for me. Um, I don't know if that. Yeah. Add attitude and aptitude are what I look for is in addition to skill. Um, mm -hmm. if I'm going to be hiring someone, I do want to know they, I, I want to know that they know how to do the job. If I'm going to be bringing someone onto a shoot, um, I will make sure that they know what their job is, even if it comes down to sitting down with them individually, whether that's uh, over Zoom or in person pre-COVID, uh, and just make sure that, yeah, you're comfortable and that you um, have experience. Yeah, I, I'm more in a position where I am working with the, the younger gen where we're not as experienced and it's tougher to build a team that way. Uh, however, if I am going to be hiring people, um, skill set isn't all that I look at. And I'm not saying that's what you just said either. I'm not yeah. saying that's your, your view on it. To, to There's a level else. though. There is like, yeah. again, if, if I, if someone says I, I'm, I'm an AC, cause I will get that sometimes. I'm a this, I'm a that. You'll ask, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Like, what have you done? Like, what kind of stuff do you work on? And you know, it's, a, it's almost, it's almost like we were talking about spec stuff earlier the car companies know that that's not a real ad for yeah. Ford or whatever. They know. Uh, in the same way, I usually know right away when I meet someone and I go, oh, what do you do? And, the, and if, you know, if they're confident, they say, I, I'm a gaffer. You know, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, what kind of stuff do you work on? I can just with a few questions usually really tell someone's, like, experience level. And, you know, oftentimes when you're starting out, I think it's, that's abnormal for people to say, I do this, like I'm an AC. Most of the time when I meet somebody who's like, you know, starting out in their career, they tend to describe themselves generally. Oh, I do video or I do, you know, someone says something along those lines, like, what do you do? Oh, you know, like I make videos. I'm not to disparage the term, but I, I'm a videographer or whatever. If they say mm -hmm. things like that and they say, I'd love to AC for you. I can tell you probably, like, probably not. Like I just... Again, there's a, and I think I th I'm trying to transition and do more narrative work, but I personally um, want to bring a high level of execution to the job. A standard. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I can't. While while like an indie no budget film, I'm gonna probably not get the best AC in town because they don't need to do it, <laughs> <'Cause Yep. I'm, laughs> or I need to pay them. All right. Um, you know, I mean, people do favors for sure. Like there's, yeah, for, you become friends with people, but, oh, absolutely. but at the same time, like I'm going to, of course, be much more willing to take someone on in that role and go, you're not the most experienced, but let's try it out. I can't do that on a, you know, I, I just, I can't do that on a bigger thing because especially like a first AC, a uh, first AC is like, it's the, literally the first person that I think about when I think about a job. I would rather not. I love having a great gaffer too. It's not, not to diminish that role at all, but I would rather be my own gaffer than be my own AC. Um, and so that role is super important to me. And I've, you know, I've been on jobs where we had someone less experienced and the take is really good and you're watching it and it's not out of in focus. It's not in focus. Yeah. And you're like, Darn it. Yep, yep, yep. You know, yep, and yep. you're not mad, or you know, I'm not one of those people that gets really angry, but 
Uh, and, it, and everybody does that. I mean, I, I've had the most experienced ACs in the world go like, yep, like that one's on me. That was a little <laughs> soft. And, you know, you're shooting certainly happens plenty where I'm shoot, I'm hand, hand, hold, hand holding the camera and doing handheld yep. work and I'm moving around a lot and we're wide open and the sh- depth of field is crazy shallow. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. You're going to. You're gonna buzz the focus. Like one point eight, one point two treacherous yeah, water. Even the yeah, even yeah. the most experienced person. But that being said, like I've also been on jobs with people who are you know a little greener, and we're just doing a simple dolly in, and they went the wrong way, and you're like, that makes you really nervous, you know. And so, and depending on who it's for, if it's commercial, it's like that can't. No, uh, you're gonna immediately hear it from the clients and everybody, and it's like. Again, it's not to say that the the standard is perfection because that's ridiculous and that's not how I, I think. And plenty of really experienced people that I've had to obviously had to redo takes for because it's a little soft here or there. But oh yeah. And but then, that being said, like, you know, that stuff matters. And so I think it's, there's there's that mentality of like fake it until you make it. And I think that there's some merit in that. Because I, I did that for sure. People would say, "Have you? Can you do this?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." <laughs> Don't ask to see examples, please. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and so yeah, I, I, like th- that. I think is okay, but there's a there's an element of like at a certain level, people sort of know when you're faking it if that makes sense um people can see through the uh the front i suppose well a part of my job is is assessing my team and so true if if i got a call tomorrow to go shoot in chicago uh well let's name a city i've never shot in uh san francisco okay i was like i've shot in chicago so i do know people there (laughs) but a place i've never worked right I, i i would not like I would be looking for referrals for that team and other people that I go, I know you're, you know, a DP that does really great work. Who do you work with? Can you send referrals? I'm not going to, and and then I'm going to assess those people and go, and sometimes you end up with people that aren't as experienced and you have to kind of help them along. Um, and that's okay. But I do, I do occasionally get like, and I think, locally and I don't want to discourage anyone from doing this but people that will reach out and say like hey can I come on set I'd love to do this or that can you come on set absolutely if I can find a place for you sure can I I'd love to AC for you I want to get into ACing probably not right like so there's a difference in like that like I I can't let you fake it until you make it on this well, because they're what they're ACing is your work, and I think that's what a lot of people misunderstand when it comes to DPs in the AC relationship. There has to be such a strong bond of trust, and you have to know yeah. with uh, if you're going, like you said, handheld, or if you're on a steady rig, uh, <laughs> easy rig, or steady cam. If you're moving, it takes a little while to develop that relationship with the AC where they know, okay, Ray's going to step here next. It yeah. takes a lot of time to develop, the AC will like be able to predict yeah. and what you want because once they get used to your style of shooting, they can already know where the camera's going to be before yeah. it goes and they can prep that. But the, also the, the more important thing there, which I already touched on a tiny bit, is that it's 
as a DP, you have a brand and a reputation. Mm-hmm. And so if you are on a client shoot, if it's corporate or even high-end narrative, or if any type of stakes are on the line, you want to bring on someone who will not, to put it not so nicely, screw it up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, well, and it's I important would say to that have that trust. That like, at least my mentality as I'm, you know, starting to navigate or get into this, the, the waters of narrative work, like, I would say the stakes are always high. Um, and like, I, I've had a few friends that have in their evolution of their career have decided to get into like steady cam work. Well, of course, at first, like one, they're not great at it. They're, they're learning same with any role. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, it's on you to overcome those limitations of experience. So I'm throwing this out there. If you told me mm-hmm. I want to be an AC, I'd be like, cool, great. And, you know, hey, Ray, could you bring me on a job as an AC? Well, I'm, you know, upfront, it's probably going to be like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll think about like a, a place where I could use you. But I would love to see that, like, you know, on, on Instagram or something every day I see you pulling focus, you're, you're, you know, it's easy to get really in good relationships with like rental shops. You can call those guys. I, I know all the shops around here. Like if somebody wanted to be an AC, go there once a week, twice a week, three times a week. In fact, just um, days don't make any sense to me anymore. But this was <laughs> earlier this week, I think. Uh, a friend of mine, I mentioned Drew, uh, has a, a moto crane and that's that's new, uh, new-ish for him. And he's super skilled at it and, and, and all that, but like, you know, he's also adding crew to it. And one of the roles, and I've been learning personally, uh, is how to operate the wheels. Yes. Right. And that's not easy to do. And, and I've had conversations with people about shooting things and they say like, can you, you know, for different jobs, not even car stuff, like, do you know how to run wheels? And I usually say, not really. Like I've done it. I know how it works. In theory, I get it. But before I'm willing to say, like, put myself on the line, Mm. I need practice. And so he sets up days with people that are interested and they do practice days. And that's that's what I would want to see. Right. Like if you're talking about how you grow in your career. And say you're doing one man band kind of stuff where you're wearing multiple hats, that's fine. You're not going to become a great focus puller that way. You're developing some focus pulling skills. You're not going to become a great, you know, remote head operator on the wheels because you've used a, you know, Ronin once or twice, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that that's how you build those. You and and I like um, I I don't know this guy super, super well, but I, you know, I've met him a few times and, you know, we've had conversations online. Um, Ryan Forte, I think Forte is how you say it. And yep. And um in Cleveland and at least I, and I very much may be remembering this wrong, but at least what I've seen from his career, I think when I kind of first met him, I was, I, at least I thought of him as like, Oh yeah, Ryan's like young guy, video guy. He's in the union now. Like, and I, I see him all the time, you know, sitting at home with a a focus chart and he's practicing, you know, remote head operating He's practicing with his steady cam rig. And, you know, I don't know 
I imagine he's very experienced now in the like few years that I've been kind of like following what he's doing. But I don't think he got there entirely because he was doing it on jobs. He's working at his craft all the time and getting better. And as someone who would, in the, you know, I, I, I get calls for jobs in Cleveland and he's on the list 100%. If I had a steady cam job, he's the first person I would think of. And there are people like that who, yeah, again, I, and, and not to say you're wanting to be an AC, but if you said that and then I was like, oh, cool, like I'll keep Chris in mind, you know, for some stuff, maybe if I have some simple thing. And then every time I went on Instagram, I saw you sitting in a rental shop and you're practicing mm-hmm. and you're learning and you're building, you're asking them, can I come build cameras? Cause that's a big part of being an AC. Well, that goes a long way. You know, now do you have the like onset time and experience? No, but I know you're putting in the work toward that, you know? And so, and I think that applies to a ton of roles. Everywhere. Uh, yeah. The visualization is key. If you are, one of the main issues that I think people have with getting their foot in the door is that people don't know they exist, um, which is a phrase I use a lot on here, especially. But I think you're, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Where there's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way to do this, um, and it depends on what your standards are between right and wrong. But the general one is, if you are actually honestly putting the work in and doing all of the uh, quote unquote right things to build your skill set. Like you're saying, go to the rental houses, build those relationships, hop on sets where maybe, yeah, you're not getting the rate you want, or maybe there's no rate at all, but you're getting to work with that piece of kit and you get the BTS photographer to take some photos of you to then put out into the world or on your resume or on your website that show you actually have touched it before. (laughs) Or you can end up creating a piece that then demonstrates your craft that is one of the many right ways to go about it. Whereas a wrong way would be, hey, pal, I'm only a PA on this set, but can you take a photo of me by the camera and I'm going to pretend like I'm operating? <laughs> and then you send that to Seen somebody. You get on. <laughs> yes, me too. You, a few times this year, actually. Um, and then you get onto set. Uh, I'm sorry, you, you get hired for a project because someone saw that photo. And you're you're in between a rock and a hard place because it's you got your reputation on the line, which wasn't there to begin with. Well, and now and it's you're going to be even in even worse trouble because you yeah. you went in and you were basically being dishonest is is what it comes down to. Well, you have to you have to be able to execute, and mm-hmm. so yeah, and and you know going to the like fake it until you make it like that's okay if you're putting in the work then you're not really, I mean, you're faking it in that like, yeah, I haven't been on a ton of sets or I haven't shot a ton of things, you know, like that. But uh, you you also aren't faking it in that like, you know, you've put in some effort and some work. And again, there's a huge difference. And people can tell if, uh, you know, I keep saying this, I'm going to end up making you be an AC, but if I'd be happy to AC for you at any time. I do. I will go along with what you said earlier and make that claim of, yes, I do AC. If you need to ask me what yeah, I've done, yeah. I can show you and I can tell you. But if somebody who's starting out, you know, comes and tells me they want to AC for me and I just am in a pinch one and I go, oh, none of my normal folks are available. And I say, yeah, sure. Come and do it for me. And I've seen them posting, you know, fake photos, right? That they've, you know, they get on set and they grab the. Yep thing and they take a picture and then they get on set and, and I've I've, ha- I've actually had this happen I had a I've had a, 
it was like a low budget project years ago where somebody was like, no, 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 I can do it. I can do it. And I was like, well, sure. You know, and they couldn't, Yep, they couldn't, you know, and, and you can tell really quickly. Um, and that's just, I don't know. It's so much worse than even doing a bad job. It's like your reputation. That person might take away from that job and like realize they need to get better and go work really, really hard and become a great, you know, skilled crafts craftsperson at their at their role. I'm probably never hiring them again. Right. Because in my mind, I'm like, you kind of like lied to me. <laughs> you know, you kind of lied. You kind of told me you could do something. And then I brought you there and you didn't. And so, you know, and not only like your reputation is so and that's where I think that like, are you really faking it? Or are you putting in the work to get like, to get opportunities. Um, and the work can happen not on set. Like I said, again, as an AC or like watching, you know, Ryan from a distance online and seeing him at home with wheels practicing. Well, I go, Oh, well, like, I think he can, you know, I feel like he's putting in the work. And so I would, you know, have some level of trust because I've had plenty of jobs like that where someone asks you to do something that you've never done before. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I, I, of course I said yes. And maybe I don't want to say misrepresented, but I was like, Oh, absolutely. I can do that. But the step between that moment and actually getting on set was a lot of work. It was a lot of prep. It was a lot of like, whatever that new thing is. The first time I worked with a Steadicam operator, you know, have you ever worked with Steadicam before? Oh yeah. You know, a, a small stuff, nothing I can show, but like, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. I'm terrified, right? Yep. <laughs> but I go and I watch a bunch of stuff and I ask a bunch of people and I spend the time to like educate myself. Yeah. You get now, prep like, days. I get on set house, and yeah. I'm nervous because it's new to me, but I've done a lot of work to get ready for it. And I think that I do run into a lot of people that I question, are you willing to do the work? Like you're telling me you're something, have you done the work to be that thing? And oftentimes I think the thought is that you're going to learn on set and that's not that's not then go PA like go do something else don't try to learn that role on the day on the day yeah. like you're not going to do well and and nothing you know I, I'm harping on being an AC but like that's a super obvious well like, it's it's fine because job. you're a DP and that's one you're you're more used to having to interact with because sure. you wouldn't have as much experience like say for a set deck position or yeah. working as a, you know, financial consultant in the producing department. Yeah. So. Well, and when I started out, I was, there were plenty of things that I hadn't done before. I got the best gaffer I could get because I knew like lighting was going to be hard for me. Yeah. And then you can learn from you know? him on the day, not like yeah. not doing the gaffing position. Cause that's what he's there for. But yeah. that's, that's what he's seeing too. It's like, if you want to be yeah. an AC, find people who give you the shot that can teach you how to be an AC under those non-stressful, non-reputation-on-the-line yeah. positions. Well, even like, you know, shooting handheld, which I've done a lot of, mm -hmm. at first it was handheld with me pulling focus. I mean, I was, you know, shouldering and I was pulling focus as I walked around. And as I got to the level of having an AC do that, they're so much better. <laughs> even yeah. when it's handheld and they don't know I'm going to take a step, they somehow still know. And now if I have to do that stuff, and I mean, I can capable of pulling focus i'm not as good i would rather have the person who's great at it do it and so 
Um, yeah, I think there's a there's a fake it till you make it, but there's like you've got to do the work, you've got to put in the effort, um, you know, and that that's across the board. And 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 I imagine, I know I always ask this, and I'm sure everybody in the industry does. If someone says, "I'm a I'm an editor," send me what you've edited. Mm-hmm. I'm a colorist. Send me stuff you've colored. I'm a I'm a gaffer. What are some things you've lit like? And the same is true for me. You know, I'm a DP. Oh, so me, I just got a call for a, you know, decently sized job next week. First thing was send me, you know, some of your work. And they're going to immediately assess and go, I don't think he can do this. Or he can. You know, and so however you can get that experience. And for me, like wanting to do car work, I'm getting as much time in the car as I can shooting stuff that I'm never going to show anyone, you know, just driving around a parking lot, going to things like, again, my friend Drew will set up days where we'll just sit and practice on the wheels because I would love to be operating the head as the DP. Hmm. I don't feel comfortable right now doing that. If I landed a car job, I would hire someone to do that because I, I'm that's again, I'm not talk about, you know, another place where you're going to see the inexperience is if the, crane moves this way and you pan the wrong way and you go, well, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope the client wasn't watching the monitors. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I totally yeah, get cause that. Cause that's, that stuff matters. And so, um, yeah, I think all that's, in all comes down to trust and both in yourself and those positions. And if you can't, if you don't feel confident enough, find the right person to do the job. And I think that's, um, kind of what you're trying to drive home here is if you are in a situation where you need to have someone that um, if you're in a situation where you are on a job where your reputation is on the line and stakes are high, which is almost every shoot that I think you take on, because like you said earlier, you can be selective. um, You're going to want someone who you know can do it. And so I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I really appreciate that you, um, communicate that to people when they approach you and say, Hey, I want AC for you. Um, I haven't been every person that's asked you, Hey, can I AC or do this job for you? Um, but it's good to know that you have that mindset. You talked about earlier about how you started. I did want to make sure we get into backstory a little bit. If there's anything we haven't talked about or covered that you wanted to talk about, we can certainly do that now. But uh, one thing I would, before we move off of that, I would add to the whole like coming up, Mm -hmm. you know, thing I think, and I, I struggle with this still keeping in mind that it takes time, right? Mm-hmm. Cause pe- people reach out to me and say, Hey, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to AC. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm like, it, just because I may not hire that person right away. It doesn't mean that I won't. And I, I've had that happen plenty of times where I've reached out to directors and I'm like, oh gosh, I guess like they must hate me or they didn't like my work. It's <laughs> I been feel that three or four years we've yeah. never worked together. And then they call out of the blue, you know, seemingly, or I just happen to shoot them a message and you know, it things take time. They take a lot longer, I think, often than we think. And sometimes things happen overnight and that's cool. Um, but I would just I just would add that to people that are starting out. If you if you have a path you want to go down. It, it oftentimes takes like a lot of work, a ton, a ton of work, and it takes time. Uh, it doesn't, it just, yeah, it just doesn't happen overnight. Mm. Yeah. 
But yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to put that out there. No, it's all good. <laughs> and that's always good to hear from a, uh, please don't think I'm calling you old, but senior standpoint. No, I'm old. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> from someone who's been in the industry now for a bit and is, you know, you got a wife and kids and it's like, to some people, that's making it. Um, not a, hmm. not everybody um, can get there. And so I'm, I have plenty of friends who are like, yeah, if I could just support my family doing this, uh, yeah. that'd be my definition of, of happy. They're not super competitive or sure. want to go places. They just want to make a living doing what they love. Sure. Um, but point being as well is that uh, having, like I said, having having that mindset of it takes time, people forget that if you're in my shoes that you're – in high school, you're in college, you're in your early to mid twenties, or maybe a little bit older. There are people who have been in this business still that have been doing it longer than you've been alive. <laughs> and it's Sometimes. not as easy to remember when you have social media hitting you from all sides and you see your friends out on set all the time and you're stuck, it's quote unquote, stuck at home. Um, not to reference COVID, but more so just if you don't have a project on your plate, it can sure. get really, really uh, frustrating. And um, people, people get upset, myself included. I, I'm there very regularly. <laughs> yeah. And so Same. that's part of the reason why I wanted to make this show as well as to remind people that, hey, yeah, insecurity is normal. Hey, yeah, inexperience. Yeah, no one starts knowing everything. You come into the world not knowing nothing. And so uh, it's like normal. And so speaking of like coming into the world, you don't have to go back into like, well, um, it started when I was born, but like, what's, what's <laughs> kind of your, your backstory here? I'd love to catch people up and sort sure. of, maybe if you have any insight, stuff that you've learned along the way or anything you'd love to share, I'm not going to ask you to go super deep or personal if you don't want to, but, sure, sure. um, if you're able to sort of communicate how you got started and kind of, I think it would be interesting to hear since we've talked about it a little bit, what you wanted to do when you started out. I would assume, and it's never really safe to assume, but <laughs> maybe you didn't really want to be a DP at the start, or maybe you had no idea. Maybe you did. I don't know. So that's why I'm asking. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my voice cracked. I'm maybe not as old as I. You thought you were. <laughs> it's all um, good. Yeah. No, I, uh, I. I won't go all the way, all the way back. But you know, I did as a kid. I loved movies, like a lot of people that do this. Um, I. I I grew up really poor, um, especially when I was younger. And so like, this was like not a real career to me in a way, I guess. Like, I just didn't think this was something people did. Um, but, uh, you know, fast forwarding to like getting to like becoming an adult. I, uh, in college, I was a history major. Um, I still don't really know why I just, I liked history. I think, you know, I, I loved stories and that's, you know, I just, I loved, I loved reading history. I still do. It's, it's just stories. Um, but at the end of college, I, I a little bit like started to go like, well, what am I planning to do with this degree and like a career and had counselors asking and like, you know, are you planning to teach? Which is what most people do. Um, and I was, it was weird that I was like, well, no, I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't do any of those things. It's like, why are you getting this degree? Uh, yeah, my parents would probably love to hear, love to hear that. Um, oh boy, yeah, I'll but, make sure to send them the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, thanks a lot for going to college and spending all that money. But um, and they were made. We didn't have a lot, but they definitely, you know, made college happen for me, and I'm super thankful for that. But but towards the end of school, I took a few photography classes. Um, there was a program at my college, and I 
had always kind of like liked that stuff. I just I just didn't know that it was really a thing. And this was, you know, I am older, so this was like pre-digital photography, uh, which doesn't seem like that was ever a time, but it was pre-digital photography. So it was all film and it was like art and and I loved it. I was just I was just creating and for the first time I think ever I was just being asked to create. And so and all the projects were art based and, and creative. So um really fell in love and then uh graduate at, at graduation I, I started working for some local photographers and friends who were you know out uh had graduated before me or, or whatever and so i decided to start a photography business um i did that for first like f- five years i was like all in doing weddings outside of college um so i was a wedding photographer and, and did other things but you know did did weddings and did whatever um you know after a few years of that i i absolutely hated it uh i hated i hated photography like i it took a long time for me to get back to a place of loving because i now like super love photography it's it's very very important to me um i sort of feel like i'm recapturing that love that i discovered in college uh that i i totally lost uh and and if if I could point to anything that I would tell people now, and I think, you know, informs my career now at the time I was, I, and I said it to people blatantly. I, I just am amazed and love that I get to work and use a camera. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what I shoot. I just want to work and shoot. Um, and, and that was, that was great for a season. Uh, but I, I hit a wall and it took me a long time to realize why I hit a wall and now to me it really it matters a lot more i want to pay the rent and do all those things but like it's why i made a decision to just dp when i decided to be just a dp and i turned down jobs as like do you want to ac he's like no do you want to do this do you want to do that no do you want to edit no um because i think the lesson i learned from those days was was really that like just doing anything to work and this that works for a lot of people i'm not knocking it but like i i couldn't do it anymore um and it led me down to a place where i like really hated being a photographer Mm. and i wouldn't touch my camera unless someone was hiring me um and and it honestly led me to i would say like quitting like failing uh i as a photographer i just got to a point where i stopped shooting um entirely and i actually ended up taking a job working for apple for a handful of years um in like my early late 20s early 30s where i was actually you know teaching photography um so i did that for a little bit um and and i i kind of found that i loved teaching and i can talk a lot so it was like good it worked uh and it kind of made me feel okay about like not shooting anymore in a way because i was still you know related um but yeah i did that for a few years of my you know through my early 30s and then really like the bug came back around where i was like is this what i want to do like do i want to be this whatever as a career working for a i mean i I loved working for apple it was a great company and i have great friends that still work there um but yeah i just was feeling like i want to get back to creating so Again, long story short, I, I, I mean, we could do a whole, I think I did a podcast some, for someone else recently, and I 
that's all we talked about. <laughs> so I'll try and keep it short. But no worries. I, yeah, I'm. I we made a decision. My wife lost her job, and we made a decision to move. We were living in Colorado, uh, which is a great place to live, but it's super expensive. Uh, it made it really hard to be a photographer there because you want to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so our second kid was born, and we made the decision to move to Detroit. Um, and we were there for just a few months and I landed a job, uh, as an in-house photographer, uh, for a corporation, which was amazing. I mean, it, it moved me, you know, helped, gave me stable income and it put a camera back in my hands. Um, so all, all of that was happening as like the digital revolution, the DSLR revolution was kind of going on and people were shooting video and photo, like both things were starting to happen, you know? Mm. Um, so I did photography for them for a couple of years, uh, and ran the, it was like the senior photographer and, and ran the photo team. But all the while, like I, the team that I was on did more video than photo, uh, the, the broader team. Um, I was becoming interested in video and I was learning from the video guys, from the video team, guys and gals, I shouldn't say guys, but, um, uh, yeah, again, like there was a lot in that, but I, I eventually talked to the company into letting me transfer from the photo team and leading the photo team to being kind of more of a junior video, you know, content creators, what they call it. Uh, so I did that. I transferred over and started doing video. Um, I did a, about a year as like a, they, they, they called it a content creator, I think shooting, editing, directing, whatever, Yep. running sound, <laughs> like whatever. Internal. Yeah, it was yeah. this internal video team. Uh, and and we were doing really good work, but, you know, I was certainly on the junior, I think, end of things. Um, and, but, you know, now in my, like, still, we'll think, I think it was still early 30s, but, you know, more mid-30s. Um, and so, yeah, I... Uh, I learned as much as I could from those guys. There were some just that team, everybody, the producers, the directors, the editors, they were all so skilled and so talented and really helped me level up um, in what I was doing, but gave me a really, I think, a safe place to learn, but also make decisions about what I liked. Um, So after about a year or so of that, like where the whole team was kind of wearing multiple hats, um, you know, we started to get bigger projects and work on bigger things. And some of the team was even, you know, we we're even starting to get like national commercials, you know, on the smaller end, but we were, we were really like doing, you know, bigger and better work. Um, and, and all the while everybody, you know, our, our producer, Christina Al Haddad and our director, Nathaniel Sherfield and the other DP on the team, uh, John Mitchell, they were all like, super instrumental and very encouraging and like teaching me and, you know, helping me come along. But so the team was growing, we were doing bigger stuff. Um, eventually we decided to kind of restructure, uh, because we would wearing multiple hats, you would end up with like, I'm sitting in an editing suite and a guy who, you know, is a great editor is out shooting. Yeah. And so I'm cutting his not great looking footage (laughs) And he's watching me butcher an edit of the footage that he just worked hard to get, you know. And so we started to run into more of that and people were just become, you know, we all sort of were feeling this like tension and wanting our careers to progress. 
and wanting to specialize, directors wanting to direct, editors wanting to edit. I was really, I think because of the photo background, was gravitating towards DPing. Um, and so any chance I got, I would try to be on set as, as you know, doing those roles or helping out in those ways. Um, so yeah, we, after a little bit, we decided to kind of specialize. So myself, my friend John Mitchell, uh, kind of became the team's cinematographers and got to focus on camera. Um, and that, uh, you know, I think from there, my career took off. I mean, we, within a year, you know, the team really grew. We were doing bigger and bigger things. We were shooting national, you know, things that honestly I now look back and go like, why did they let me shoot? How did I get there? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) They like, you know, the, because we were internal, I think we were given a a level of like grace to do things that we wouldn't have, you know, as a freelancer, I now know, like I would not have gotten called as a freelancer to do that because I was still, Hmm. I I think I, because I was a little bit older, I, I did bring a level of like maturity and like work ethic to it that I'm not saying if I was, 20 or something I would have been able to do. I don't think I could have if I was like, these were big enough things, but I think I brought some like work ethic and mm. maturity to it that allowed me to like be successful. Cause I think we, we were like, I didn't fail in those jobs. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we did a handful of like higher, you know, half million and above commercials. And um, after a little bit of doing that internally, I just was feeling the need or, desire to like take that further because we were still an internal team so we were still doing like all the day-to-day normal video stuff you still had to be at your desk nine to five like all the things that go with working at a corporation and again i not knocking it at all it was amazing um definitely set my career on a path but yeah so then i left and i went freelance and that's what i've been doing now the last four years or so okay uh, freelance dp with a family as well with a family, yeah, three kids and wife. She works full time, so it's not like I'm fully supporting. That. Okay, well, I mean, don't don't sell yourself short either. I'm sure yeah, that sure. a lot of a lot of the DP checks go to you know taking care of the kids, keeping the oh, lights on, sure. and the food for and all sure. that groceries. It's like that's something I'd love to dig into a little bit if uh, you're willing to. And yeah, absolutely. Whenever we talk about family and stuff, it's I have a I have a very large respect for people. Um, whether you're uh, a dad or a mom as a DP or a director, any of those higher up positions that have a lot of responsibility and you have to dedicate a lot of time to something. If you are, say, in the narrative world and you are a, let's just use director, um, a director dad, and you have a feature on your hands, you can be out of the home for months, if not a year or two, depending on the project. Uh, And I just cannot for the life of me figure out how they manage that sometimes because I'm not yet a dad. Uh, maybe someday, no plans to at the moment, <laughs> sure, sure. but, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit about how, um, family is going. What do you, um, what do you value when it comes to your work versus family life balance? I suppose is it's, it almost sounds cliche to bring up, but work-life balance sure, for a lot of sure. people in our field is not the easiest no, thing hard. to do. <laughs> no, it's really so hard. Yeah. would love to hear any uh, your take on that. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it is it is really hard. And I, I guess it's obviously going to be different for everybody and every family, and you have to navigate it for yourself. But, you know, I think of myself as a dad first, 
you know, that is like who I am, you know, um, I don't, yeah, it, it is the most important thing to me is being a good dad. Um, and not to get too, too personal, but like I grew up with, you know, I didn't know my dad. Um, my stepdad was not, he did the best he could, I guess, you know, but it, it wasn't exactly like an ideal situation. And so there's something, you know, it's just super important to me that like, I don't, I don't want to have like a bunch of stuff that's like really cool work and I hardly know my kids. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just, it's, I think it's important to like make those decisions up front, right? Like that's what is most important to me. Um, and so that doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that I don't work and I'm not away because I definitely am. I think, you know, you also have to come to an understanding first. It was between my wife and I that like, this is what this looks like, especially when I left. I mean, my corporate job was different because we would have long hours when we had shoot days, but I also had to be there nine to five. So like in some ways I have a lot more freedom now because I'm not, I'm not shooting every day, you know, so, uh, I can take kid the kids to things. I can be in, much more involved in their like daily lives, but then just sometimes I'm gone for a week or something, you know? And so, um, it took, you know, my wife and I having to make that decision that that's okay. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm not, sometimes I'm, I'm busy enough that like, I do have to check myself and go, okay, maybe you need to turn this down because it's been three or four things in a row and you're gone a lot. Um, most of the time that I wish I was busier and I had that problem more. Mm. Um, but oftentimes I'm, you know, it, it ends up working itself out. Um, where when I'm not working, I'm home and I'm very, I just am intentionally very present with my kids um, and my wife. And so now as the kids are getting a little older, I think they've been kind of brought into that, that decision. Um, you know, dad does what dad does. I work, but at the same time, like I'm always communicating with them uh, and letting them know what to expect. Like uh, I have you know, I have a bigger project coming up, right? I'm going to be gone more. I'm always communicating with them to let them know. And then I'm also, when I'm home, I'm just super intentional with them that like, you know, today's a day that I'm not shooting. I'm here doing the podcast. And so like I talked with you about scheduling it so that I could take the kids to school this morning and I'll pick them up. They won't ever know that I was here. Yeah. And so I try and orient my life around, you know, family life making sense so when a new director wants to have a meeting i'm just up front and i say like can we do it between these hours on these days because my kids have soccer that day and i don't want to miss that stuff if i don't have to and sometimes you do but so yeah those things i i think being intentional having everyone on board um and then constantly checking that um I, again i'm not in the narrative world so i haven't had to experience that where I'm gone for 30 straight days on a shoot or two months or something. Yeah. Um, that'll be a whole new experience. Um, but it, I think we, as a family have a process where it's like, well, dad's going to do a movie. I, and, and I think this goes into that as well. Um, I think I'm a better parent when I'm doing work that I'm engaged with. Right. So if, if I get too many, because I, I still do, you know, the occasional 
job where it's just a one man band sort of thing. Like that does come up, you know, or I'm just, I'm doing it for the, the paycheck or whatever. And so if I do too many of those in a row, I, I mean, I get pretty bummed out and like can get pretty down. And I think that makes me let, uh, you know, probably less fun to be around as a parent. You know, my kids probably don't enjoy. And so I think it is important for me to be doing work that is meaningful to me too. And so that's a bit of the balance of like, I'm very interested in doing some narrative work. That's going to look like bigger chunks of time, but I want my kids to be on board for that and understand what it is I'm doing. I talk with them really openly about why that matters to me, that I want to make things that are important to me and important to other people and are creative. And I think, and maybe they don't totally understand, certainly not probably my youngest who's six, but he just is still in the mode of like, dad's here or dad's not here. <laughs> um, hmm. But my, my da- older daughters, like I, I think they understand that and know that. And then, and then it's just on me to be really very present with them. I mean, they're my whole, when I'm home, they're just my whole world. I do, while they're at school, I do the work I need to do, networking or prepping or planning. And then they come home and pretty much my focus is them. And so um, there can be in this, in this, I mean, in any job, but in this field, like it, it's easy to get in a mode of being a workaholic and spending too much time working. If you're not getting work, then you want to spend time trying to get work. And there's just, it's, it can be a trap. And I think we've just, as a family, been really intentional to say like, I'm okay not working as much, you know, I'm okay. Like I'm not, you know, I know a lot of people that are way better at hustling than I am and are constantly setting up meetings and calls and doing things. I do that stuff, but you know, my downtime is important to me too. And so I think having that perspective of like, I'm not on a track to be a millionaire anytime soon (laughs) and I could probably work harder to be on that track. But I like that I pay my bills and I hang out with my kids a lot. So, um, it's different for every person. What you value is. is is individual. And that's something, like I said, I respect about you is that you want to have that time with your kids. And that it's great that, you know, maybe the younger younger ones or one doesn't understand as much now, but that's because they, you know, they, they're not at a place where they can do that yet. But I think it's great that, that the other kids are like, yeah, dad's working, but he's also working for us and to be able yeah. to you know, keep the lights on, but also that you spend time with your kids, I think is fantastic. And I'm always communicating that to them that like, I love my job, you know? And so I think it makes me a better, happier person that I love my job Mm. and makes me then a better parent. And so I, I fully like tell them all the time about what I do. I show them things I do. I, you know, if I can bring them, I brought them on set or I've had, I've had them in shoots where we needed kids cast. And I'm like, well, I got, yeah. I got a bunch of kids. There you go. <laughs> you want to put them in? And I think that that um, those little things, when those things have come up or or just even coming with me to like scouts to be a stand in or something like uh, it, I liking I like that I'm including them in that process. Um, and uh, yeah, and we, we have a weekly movie night. We spend, you know, times I think I try to share my world with them to some degree. So. And I think as they get older, in some ways, it, it gets harder, but it also gets easier. Like, uh, I was just listening to, I don't know if you've listened to the Good 
podcast. It's just called Good, I think. Nope. It's another it's another filmmaking podcast. Definitely like highly recommend it. I'll look into it. Yeah, it's 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 good. Um, I'm sure they hear that joke all the time. But <laughs> um, but the two guys, uh, Jared Hogan and uh, Christian Schultz, are directors and uh they just i literally i think this was yesterday i was listening to their podcast and they were talking with uh, a couple of guys who just who just finished their first feature uh, or it's coming out soon or something and they made a decision they were talking about the same thing and they just brought their families with them so mm-hmm. they had to stay in hotels and the families lived in hotels with them you know so i think there's ways to be creative about that but it really starts with at home, those conversations and just being on the same page. You know, if my wife is not on the same page as me about me being gone for 30 days for a feature. Yeah, that's going to cause problems when you get back. It's going to well, it's going to cause problems all along. I mean, like that's hard Fair on point. me to like do the film <laughs> to know that I'm away. It's harder on her because she doesn't want me gone. So you have to start with that and being on the same page and communicating. Otherwise, it, it just makes the whole process unsustainable. And. Ultimately, I'm I'm here first as a husband and a father. A filmmaker is is second or third or fourth or whatever down the line. So, yeah. Either way, that intentionality is the important part, and I think that's that's your common thread. Yeah. Is the um, but whether we're talking about where you want to go with your new DP work or your need for that trust and relationship with your AC or your family. That's sort of like the common theme that I've seen for this entire episode is you're very, very big on intention and intentionality. Mm. Um, you want to make sure your kids know and trust that you're working for them and that you value them as a family. And so you want to spend time. You want to make sure that your AC, uh, you, you intentionally tell your AC or hire people on that you know you can trust and put your reputation on the line for. And the work that you're trying to do in the future is all about now. Well, you could say you're picky, but you could also rephrase that and sound a little bit more hip, I suppose, and say you're intentional. Sure. It's it's a really interesting um, silver lining may not be the right word, but thread that I've seen going sure, through sure. the whole episode. And um, it has been a wonderful one at that. I don't want to you know cut you off if you had something else you wanted to cover or make sure that, That's hey, we mentioned this. But if you're good, I think we're pretty much going to end it here. That's great. Yeah, oh, I appreciate it. It's good yeah. chatting with you always. Absolutely, man. I mean, I know yeah. you and I have talked a lot over the past COVID and uh, all of that has been really interesting to get to know you through that. And um, if anyone else wants to get to know you as well, I'd love to encourage anyone to reach out. You're very um, open to communication from experience. Someone who has (laughs) never even talked to you before, before um, what was it like early 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you mind giving out your social handles so that people can um, check you out? Yeah. um, My work is mostly at uh, my website, which is rayrushing.tv. Um, but probably the best way to reach me is Instagram and, and it's just at Ray rushing, uh, rushing. I always say this on the phone when people think I say Russian, uh, <laughs> and it's, you no, know, it's rushing. Uh, and I always, it's not like a jerk when I say it, but it's rushing. And I say, it's like, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> so when I say that on the phone, I always feel terrible because I'm not in a hurry. I just, yeah. When in reality, you're very laid back. As I'm yeah, sure. I'm not, it's kind of an ironic name, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah. But just at Ray rushing, uh, on Instagram, I think, I think I'm, probably at Ray rushing everywhere. So it's Twitter or, <laughs> excuse me, or any of those other places. Um, but yeah, Instagram is always a great place or the new cool thing of clubhouse. Indeed. Uh, is, is where I've been spending a lot too much time. <laughs> clubhouse. That is an interesting topic. I may have to have you back to, to discuss yeah, that, yeah. but yes. Yeah, so yeah. again, thank you so much for your time and for, sure. for 
coming all the way down here to um, spend some time with us and just share your experience and knowledge with the audience. And speaking of the audience, if any of you who are still making it to this point in the episode, whether you're on video or over audio, thank you so much for dedicating your time and learning about Ray and just spending some time with us today. So as a host, I really greatly appreciate it if you've made it this far. For those of you who are on um, the audio version, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please feel free to check out the Instagram page at Merit Makers Podcast or the YouTube channel, pretty much the same name. If anyone out there listening would love to come on the show and be a guest, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, please make sure to find the form in the description of the YouTube channel. You can fill that out, put in some basic information, kind of let us know you exist and let us know what you'd like to cover, and I'd be more than happy to talk to you. So... Without further ado, that does it for us today. Ray, once again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak again in the future. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah.